Let's pray. Amen. All right, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we're going to open up your word, Lord, and we're going to seek you, Lord, and we just pray that you would meet us where we are. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit is poured out to comfort, to convict. Just bring us where we need to be, Lord, that we know more of you, that we can lift you up, that we're prepared for Monday, Lord, and that our fellowship with you and with each other is greater. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you need a Bible, which you do need a Bible today, uh, please raise your hand. You need a Bible and you probably need a pen. So this will be a little bit different. Um, If you're new here, uh, I am not Pastor Kevin. He... (laughs) He is on vacation, and my name is Davon Dixon. I am uh, one of the tweens teachers here. I teach the fourth and fifth graders, and I uh, work in the cafe and in the bookstore. So um, but that means that you have to come back, right? Because the professional is gone, and, <laughs> and uh, you're here with me today. So let's set some expectations, right? Like, what do, I, what do we want to do here t- today? If you've been with us, you know that we've been through Revelation. I'm going to mess it up at least one time and say Revelation, so just be with me. But uh, we, we, we are in Revelation, and we have been there for about 55 weeks. So, like, we're going to have a degree in end-time studies by the end of, the, by the end of it, which is awesome. Um, so... Uh, P.K. and I were talking, Pastor Kevin and I were talking, and so, you know what would be really fun to do is, while he's away is to um, kind of mix it up a little bit. So some people would argue and, uh, that Daniel is the revelation of the Old Testament. How many people have heard that before? All right, so I would argue that. Some, some more people would argue that um, Daniel is the backbone or vertebrae of um, end times prophecy. Anybody heard that before? Like you, you, you need to have a good understanding of Daniel to, to understand the book of Revelation, to get your revelations. You see what I did there? All right. Um, <laughs> so, um, so this is what I'm, I'm going to say to you. I'm going to submit this to you. So reading the book of Revelation, I'm doing the reps to, to get in my mind here. Reading the book of Revelation without an understanding of Daniel is much like watching the sequel to a movie without seeing its prequel, right? So, like, uh, I was trying to, like, gauge the rooms, and I'm going to butcher this, but you guys just work with me. So it will be, like, a lot like, like jumping in midway into the Marvel movies, right? And not really somebody trying to explain that to you or Star Wars, right? Because Star Wars, you can look at every generation. It's like they started in episode four, right? Four and five and six, but then my generation had like episodes one, and then now it's like episodes nine, and, and then you look at the heroine, it's like, who's mom? So if you're trying to explain it to somebody, they can understand each movie, but the larger picture is very, very difficult to come by because they haven't seen the like other 12 movies. They just don't get it. Similar to that, I've been in your seats. I've seen you guys here for Revelations, and so I, I, I'm going to just throw some terms out, right? No particular order or anything like that, but I'm going to just throw them out. So I hear Pastor Kevin, I hear him say the beast, and the second beast, and the, the first beast, and out of the sea. But the sea is not really the sea, but the seven heads and the ten horns and one little horn, but the three horns are plucked up. And there's crowns and diadems and powers and authorities. And I see you guys' faces, and it's like, 
yeah, we get it. And I'm not for sure that everyone has the same foundation. So for fun, I wanted to go through, and I can't do an exhaustive study in Daniel in an hour. That's impossible. That would be unfair for you to ask me to do that, right? It's not fair. But what we can do is kind of a, um, a trailer version, right, where we look at it and see what God will give us for, for digging in a little bit. So you guys with me? Yes. Amen. So um, turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. And while you, while you do that, we're going to put Revelations 13, 1 and 2 uh, on the screen here. You don't have to turn there. Turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. So I just want to get your minds in the right place for where we're going to be and why we're there, right? what we're doing today. So it says this in Revelations 13, 1 and 2. It says, then I stood, this is the apostle uh, John speaking, on the sea of the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him power, his throne, and great authority. Now, does that sound familiar? Do you guys remember where we were when we, or where you, where you were when we were, were doing this at church? Not, not your head, yes? Okay, all right, awesome. So we're going to look at that perspective or that topic from the perspective of the book of Daniel. Ready? Yes. All right. So Daniel chapter 2, verse 1, I've labeled this subtitle, Man's Perspective, Okay. It says, now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to tell him his dreams. Now, before we get into some heavy prophecy, I want to give you guys a spoiler alert, right? He calls his cabinet to tell him the dreams, and they can't help him. So the question is, why can't they help him? Why can't his own people tell him his dreams? I mean, this is something that I would imagine that he would do normally. And I think the answer to why his people, his forecasters can't do it, would be for the same reason why the majority of our politicians, economists, our scientists are ineffective. They, have something, they both have something going for them that is critically wrong. It, and what it is is that they lack biblical perspective, right? So in my notes, I got to stay close to them. Even if they're on the right track, they can have all the education, all the talent, all the know-how on how to do something. If your origin is off place, you will never hit the mark. And so we see these guys on like CNN or Fox News or whatever you watch, and you're like, mm, so close, but they will never get it because they refuse to bend the knee to the Lord, right? So they're not going to get it. And we can't, so, so as Christians, to hope that they get it would just be silly because we know that they lack the tools to get the job. They can even identify the problems of a broken home 
or social injustice or economic. Like anybody can say what the problem is. The solution is difficult because there's only one solution, and that's our Lord Jesus. That's it. All right. Next question. Why give Nebuchadnezzar the dream? This is very specific, right? He comes to Nebuchadnezzar and he gives him a dream. And so the first, there's there's something that's that's really cool that you can get out of this. But the first answer is because Nebuchadnezzar actually has the authority to get this written down and for it to stick. Daniel chapter 2 verse 48 says this. It says, and this is after all, it says this. It says, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon, which would be the capital city, and chief administrator. I have it highlighted for this teaching. I wouldn't highlight it in my Bible, but chief writer downer over all the wise men of Babylon. So he gave Daniel the authority to keep this intact, and he had the power to do it. Now, The second reason why he gave him this dream, and this is is incredible, is because out of all of this, the Lord is still going after Nebuchadnezzar's heart. And if you read the book of Daniel, I believe that Nebuchadnezzar becomes a Christian, a follower of the the Lord. I'm going to say the Lord Jesus, but follower of God. And this is awesome for, for, for a couple things. First, the scale of the project is about 2,500 years, right? This, project, like, this dream covers the entirety of, of prophecy, right? But even in that, God on a micro level, on a very small level, can still pursue one man's heart because he loves him. And so there's some application there for, for us even today, I would say that God is not too busy for you, right? Even though we've got a pandemic or even though we have like all these different things, it's not that God is so tied up that he still can't put his attention to you individually and go after your heart and pursue you. He can still do that. It's not like he's preoccupied. Also, um, let me find myself here. You can take your dreams and nightmares. This is a nightmare for Nebuchadnezzar. It's called a dream here because, you know, that's, I don't know the soft way to put it, but he's losing sleep over it. It's a nightmare. You can take that to the Lord. And a lot of times we don't. We have the nightmares and we wake up and then we try to fall back asleep. We really need to have the nightmares and we need to put them at the Lord's feet and then spend some time ourselves at the Lord's feet. Sometimes we miss that. Nebuchadnezzar misses it, but eventually he gets it. And uh, you have to read the book for yourself to, to, in your own time. But so, okay, moving forward. So um, let me fill you in. Nobody can give, them the, give him the dream. He gets really upset. And then Daniel seeks the Lord and gets the dream. I actually wanted to skip um, this. We're going to be uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. So look down there. But I think this is so relevant for today before we even uh, attempt to talk about any kind of prophecy Let's really just cover what the Lord has given us, right? So let me read this to you. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. 
for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. How relevant is that for today? Right? You read that. And so um, just, again, application, God's in control. He's got it. Right? Um, this fun stuff I thought would be fun to say. Uh, he really knows who the president is. Right? He gets it. And whoever, like, and I, I, we look at what happened this week, and I know it's a, like a touchy subject or whatever, but <laughs> whoever is the president is there because God allows it. I got, a, I got something to tell you guys. God does not lose any election. Every election, the person who gets elected, God okayed it. Because if he said no, it wouldn't happen. And that's something that we get out of here. Now, another thing is God has the wisdom to defeat COVID. Right? We, we walk around as if, and I'm not saying to disrespect a disease. Right? I'm not saying that's not, like, you twist it, that's, that's on your own. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we, my confidence is in that the wisdom to do it will be delivered when God says so. Not a moment before, not a moment after. And I'm not going to worry about it. I know that it's not going to like blow the planet up because I see how the planet blows up in Revelation. I get it. So I already know how it's going to happen. So when somebody tells me it's going to happen that way, I'm like, no. Did you read the book? You didn't read it. So we have the information, the wisdom. Stop acting as if you don't have it. Amen? Amen? All right, so that's it. All right, that's, that's, so let's go. Um, so let's look at the dream. Let's actually get to what we're supposed to talk about today. Um, verse 31. Daniel chapter 2, verse 31. Uh, here, pages turn. Are, are we there? Amen? Yes. All right, so Daniel starts to, uh, to tell the dream. Notice that God had to not only interpret the dream, Nebuchadnezzar is so stubborn. He had to tell them what the dream was, if you're not familiar. All right. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. The great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. So stop there. Um, for the sake of time, we, we're not going to go into deep, but I want you guys to nod your head that you can grab it. A, a head of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, and legs of iron whose feet are partly clay. You guys got that, right? I don't need to, like, draw it on the board or anything like that. We're good. Okay. Let's, let's get to the interpretation. Verse 37, it says, You, O king... Speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, are the king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom of power, strength, and glory. And wherever the children of men dwell, or the beast of the field, and the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hands, and, you, and has made you ruler over them. You are his head of gold. So this is pretty clear. It's not like I needed to dive into this at all. But Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, represents that first head. 
Um, if you were to glance over to chapter 3, you would see that, like, right after that, he builds the uh, image of gold, right? Um, and for each of these, I, wanna, I want you guys to, to notice the position on the statue because God is so clever that he, like, he just wraps everything up to where it makes sense. Um, the head, a dictator, Nebuchadnezzar had complete control. He did whatever he wanted when he wanted. A lot of times, and again, I teach the, the fifth graders, so um, they like, portray Nebuchadnezzar as like this whiny, kind of like weaselly guy when really he was a genius. He was a military tactician. He understood economy. He understood how to take over a nation. I mean, um, he was really a foreshadow of some things to come. So, the head of gold. Daniel uh, chapter 39 says this, it says, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. Now, Daniel uh, 820 tells us exactly who this is. Uh, the, the media and Persia, that's what it says in the Bible, Media and Persia, the Medo-Persia Empire is what you would see if you, re you read a textbook. Um, the cool thing is that this is decades later, right? It's not like Daniel is trying to, like, say the S&P is going to rise tomorrow or, you know, this will be a bullish year or um, uh, the Cowboys are going to win. That's for Pastor Kevin, right? So um, <laughs> none of that. But um, he's talking about decades in advance of before the things happen. And what I like about it is their position on the statue are the two arms. And that really is what their kingdom was. You had two uh, Medo and Persian, and they dominated the landscape. They also um, were the first to mint silver. So it's just pretty cool that like, God leaves nothing out. He, he makes sure that you can understand and you can see it. It'd be very, we're going to come back to this point, but that you can see that he knows exactly what he's talking about and he's in control. Let's move on. Uh, Daniel 8.21 tells us that the second, you know, we're here, the second empire is Greece. And it's funny because it's bronze, and when you think of Greek, you think of the Bronze Age. Do, does anybody, am I the only person that I need? To, okay, somebody's with me. Um, but I love their position of the statue because it's their belly and thighs, right? And it's like, that's a weird place to be, right? Like, why would you want to be the belly and thighs? And, um, but it speaks of the hunger of that empire. And when you look at Alexander the Great, he devoured the entire world. And he did it. Like most people, I said this last service, most people want to be like in a certain position. Like you interview, like we interview people, or they say, well, I want to be this by the time I'm 30. I want to be at this position. Or if they're ambitious, they say, I want to, I want to have a million dollars by the time I'm 30, right? That's like what, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 30, I wanted to buy my mom a house. That, that, that kind of did well, Alexander was 30, and he conquered the world. You think that was just like he just, he just won it? No. The Lord gave him the, the, the known world. And uh, that's amazing. And it's obvious. It's obvious that it's, that it's something more than just uh, normal efforts. 
Verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. So Daniel chapter 9, this is, I'm, I'm giving you these for your own notes so that you can look at them in your own time and really feel comfortable with what I'm saying. I'm not just, you need to be able to look back and say, yeah, I, I get that. Tells us that this is the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire ushers in the Iron Age. Right? That's what, I mean, it's textbook. But this is 25 years before your textbook. Do you catch that? I mean, we're kind of looking at it and it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. No, it's a big deal. He's telling you exactly, not only just, it's not just the people, but it's the people, it's their technology, it's their economies. God has given you everything well in advance. Now, this is like a hundred, hundreds of years later. Um, notice their position on the statue, right? The legs of iron. Why would, again, now, how many of you guys are, would call yourself an athlete? Nobody? All right, then I'm going to just tell you. All right. Uh, so any athlete would tell you that really the basis of most athletic positions, right, if you were fighting somebody, your legs give you your stability, right? So like if I was going to, even if I was going to fight a bigger man and he was more powerful than me, the first thing I want him to do is bring him to his knees, Right? Because without his legs, we're almost equal. We can get better on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a firmer ground. Well, Rome is pictured as the legs of iron. Because after Alexander, anybody know of Alexander the Great? He died very early. So he conquered early, but he died early. And it was a mess. So somebody has to stabilize the world. And God used Rome to do that. Right? They had a stable economy. For, for don't, like again, historians don't beat me up. They had a stable military might, and they dominated the landscape. Uh, but also, your legs give you movement, right? You're able to move because of your legs. And one thing that I think is over, like people don't recognize, is that the Lord used Roman roads, Roman penmanship, to get the gospel out, to be able to spread the gospel throughout the known world freely. And honestly, we are still benefiting from that today, right now. Like how easy is information to go from one place to the next? Or how easy is it to get to South Carolina or Virginia right now? In the past, it would never be that easy. And other countries now even adopt that as, you know, like the country maintains roads for a reason, because that's the right thing to do. That brings stability. Okay, verse 41. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. So 43 is a doozy. However, Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 and 27 confirms that this is a variant of the Roman Empire. But that's it. 
So this is the point where like everybody looks at prophecy and they like want me to guess. They want me to say like, it's this country or they want a name or a lot of people step out on a ledge and they say, I think this is the way we're going or look over here and this is what's going to happen. I don't want to do that today. I don't, think, I don't even think that that's the right thing to do because the moment, and to pretend I was your pastor, the moment your pastor tells you this is exactly the way it's going to be, your mind focuses on that, and that is all you're looking for. Much like if we use Jesus, for example, they were looking for David, the son of David, and not really the son of God or a son of Joseph. So when Jesus came, because they were so focused on what they thought it was supposed to look like, they completely missed Christ, the Messiah, when, when he showed up. What I would argue is instead of trying to be correct, be aware. Understand the scriptures so that when you see whatever this is, and we know and we have confidence in how specific God is, you'll be able to point it out. Now, my hope is that we're not even here. But should you find yourself in that situation, be aware of it. And this, I, I've got questions here that are like crazy weird, but it says like, like, like if somebody came on TV and say, hey, we just learned how to mix iron with ceramic clay, I'd be like, wait a minute, you know, let me see your toes. How do they look, <laughs> right? If, if, if somebody said that they were, you know, we got this new thing and we're messing with the seed of man, I'd be like, wait, let me double check my Bible. You can do it and it'll probably work out for you, but it's not going, I won't be a part of it, Right? So our job is to be more aware of the situation than to just, you know, be throwing stuff out there. That's, 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 that's not what it's about. Why would God give us this story? What's the point? All right, is it just to know? Like, what is it? I think the, one of the biggest takeaways i like for you guys to take from this is that it validates his word. All right? So God is telling us the future as if it is history so that when we recognize it, and that's why it's so specific, so that when we recognize it, we understand that not only can we trust Daniel, but then we can also recognize what he says about our future in Revelations. So the reason for prophecy is not for God to just strut, even though he can. He's like the only thing that can brag all the time. It's not for that, but it's to give you confidence because sometimes he says stuff that our faith just doesn't even, I'm so weak, I can't handle it, right? I'm like, no way, Lord. There's no way that you will wake me up on time for work in the morning. No way. But when I read his word and I see that he can call Greece and Rome hundreds of years before it happens, I'm like, well, yeah, you can answer my prayers. It's not so bad. You might can get it done, Right? So it gives us a great way. And you know what? The Bible's record, I said this, this last time, it's like, a, it's like 700 and, and, and zero, right? All wins, no losses. And when you recognize that, you tend to stand, stand firm in the love of God and you stay away from fear. All right? Okay, another thing to notice. The statue is a picture of the morality and the stability of man. And I was thinking, I was like, man, how, what's a good way, if I was speaking to a, a fifth grader or someone who's really young or someone has a basic understanding of the Bible, what's a good way to illustrate that? And I figured I'd use money, 
because we all, are we all familiar with money at some level, right? And most fifth graders are. So um, bear with me, but I want you to see the picture that I think that the Bible is trying to paint there, and I'm going to use money to do it. You guys ready? Amen? All right, so gold, the head of gold. Right now, tomorrow, I looked, at, I looked it up, or yesterday, $1,857.13 an ounce. That's the cost of gold right now. Silver, $25.56 an ounce. See the difference there? I didn't look up iron, forgive me. Steel, approximately 60 cents a pound. Clay, three bucks a cubic yard. Or that's like, I don't know, $45 for a dump truck load. You think the Bible's trying to tell you something? Right? God made them drastic so that you can see the difference. See, we think that as we progress down, like that we're getting better, right? Because we're getting more comfortable. But when God sees it, he's like, It's, it's not getting better. We're not making it better. We also see a move and reserve judgment. I don't want anybody throwing tomatoes at me right now, all right? We also see a move in leadership, right? Nebuchadnezzar, single dictator. Middle Persia. Big horn, little horn. Rome. Democratic Republic. So um, I'm going to say some things about democracy, right? Because that's like everybody wants democracy. Let the people rule, right? And I'm not so much saying that I hate democracy, but I am saying that I would much rather the dictatorship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we are longing for. We don't want the mob to rule. It's not okay that the, ma the majority, the heart of man is wicked and desperate. So you get a bunch of us together, we're not going to get the right answer. We're going to get the selfish answer. But Emmanuel, God with us, he can give us the right answer, the dictatorship. And that is why so Nebuchadnezzar is just an example of like, if man tries to do it, of course he's going to screw it up, right? He's going to screw it up. But the goal is that Christ would be that head. All right. I am not doing the same time here. Um, God's perspective. Daniel chapter 7. All right. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. He wrote them down telling the main facts. Now, just quickly, Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. It's about 30 years later, and this is the second time that this is brought up. So anytime, like in the, in the Bible where Jesus says, verily, verily, he says it twice, like you want to listen to it. So anytime the Bible says, some, says something twice, we definitely want to give it attention, but when it's twice but different, we want to know what the differences are. So let's, uh, let's jump into it. Verse 3, it says, in the four beasts just like the four metals, right, came up from the sea. Each beast 
different from the other. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear. It was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And they said to it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, which had on his back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, the fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with his feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, in front of it, and it had ten horns, similar to the ten toes, right? So, just like before, we have a lion with eagle wings, a bear, a leopard, four wings and four heads, and a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible. You guys follow? All right. So one first thing I want you to notice that these beasts, like when you, have you seen a lion with wings? Or, yeah, but like in real life. <laughs> no, you have not. Okay. All right. So the point is that these beasts seem to have some type of supernatural component, right? They're not natural, so they have to be supernatural, right? Um, so Ephesians 6.12 says this. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So I have to follow that with Colossians 1.16, which says, For by him, meaning Christ, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So we'll get back to that. Now, traditionally, these beasts have been, have been interpreted as God's view of the nations of Daniel chapter 2. And so one thing is that we consider them, whether you like to or not, we consider our nations as precious metals, right? Gold, silver, iron, and even dirt. Like if you need dirt, it could be expensive, but precious to us. God sees them as wild beasts. And when you really look back at how many people are what we're doing with like our homeless or our children or our education or our views on sexuality or just the way we handle, handle things, how can God see that? Not you as a person, but us as a nation is precious. He sees them as wild. Secondly, if you look at Revelations 13:2 on your screen, it says, in the fourth beast, it says this, it says, now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and his great authority. Now, if we keep that up, do you guys see something similar there? You see how that fourth beast has a little bit of the other beast in it? So the question has to be, how can these beasts of empires of old yet still be contemporary with the fourth beast. It's at least 2,500 years difference between the two. Well, you get with them. You get the point, right? There's a separation here. So the answer is this. 
Just as Nebuchadnezzar represented the king of the head of gold, each beast may also represent from a heavenly scene the demonic prince behind that supposed empire. So whereas the king may die and the kingdom may fall out of power, the demonic prince remains and you see it everywhere, right? You see it in our holidays. I think Pastor Kevin talked about uh, Easter, right? We should say Resurrection Sunday, but we say Easter, right? Right? We see it in our calendar. I hate, like, every time you, you're like, you stand up, you're like, you're a Christian, you're like, you go to church on Sunday, that's a pagan day. You shouldn't go. I'm like, I go to church on the first day of the week. I give my first day of the week to the Lord. That's what I tell people. But they still, they have a point. You have ca- your calendar, August, right? People would say August is named after Caesar Augustus. So our monuments, you see obelisk, or my favorite is that every state in America has a coliseum, right? We, we all have football stadiums. And I would be mad if you took them away, but I see the Roman impact. It's, it's obvious in our, in our dollars and everything that we think in our political system is there, is everywhere, right? These are the beasts of old, and they, they, they've got 6,000 years experience. They're good at their jobs. Um, and this is why the beast will never worship the, Roman, the woman who it allows to ride it. Did I say that right? You, guys, you get what I'm saying? It won't do it because they follow Satan, their father. That's what's going on there. They, 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 anyway, <laughs> get me excited about it. So that's kind of my daughter says spooky, but it's kind of spooky, right? Because it's like, man, these things are still hanging around. So we got nine minutes and there's a however, there's a but here. Because if you guys are paying attention or if you're familiar, I didn't finish the dreams, right? When you finish the dreams, you get a completely different perspective. So you're in chapter, uh, what are you in? You're in chapter seven right now, right? That's where you are. Um, stay there. Don't, you don't have to move. But we're going to look at the rest of the dream from Daniel chapter two, verse 34 and 35. It says, so like go back in your mind to that dream. It's, like Nebuchadnezzar, he's seeing these, the, the, this kingdom, and he's probably all proud of the statue and all of that stuff. And it says, you were watching while a stone was cut, with, cut out without hands, which struck the image at its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together, and it became like shaft from the summer threshing floor. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and shall stand forever. Amen. So that's man's perspective of it. Uh, Daniel chapter 7 Man, y'all got time. All right. So, Daniel chapter 7. Let's pick it up at verse 9. A little different from my notes. It says, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was as white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, his, his wheels a burning fire. 
a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. I think his kingdom looks a lot better than ours, right? Yeah. All right. Then I love this because this is Daniel. He's like tattling. You know, like when your kid, like when you had a, when I was a kid and I saw somebody mouthing off, I would always like wait for that kid to get like smacked in the mouth or in, in, get in trouble. Like that was, I was just that guy. So <laughs> this is Daniel that looks at verse 11. He says, I watched then, like after he saw that, he said, I watched then because the sound of the pompous words the horn was speaking. And I watched till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man. So highlight that. If it's not in your Bible, that is where we get for Christ. When we call Christ the son of man, it's this verse here. Coming in the clouds of heaven, he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not, be, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Put your finger there and quickly run over to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Forgive me. And this is an opinion. It's not, I'm not saying that this is, I won't, I won't be dogmatic about this, but I still think it's pretty cool. I think there's, a, there's a, a pretty good thing you can get here. We there? All right, so verse 2, it says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven, on earth, or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was able or was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Couldn't even look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So we just read two different accounts, one from John, one from Daniel. Personally, I truly believe these are either parallel or the same event. Their perspectives are just drastically different. Daniel, looking for the Messiah, sees the Son of Man because he's looking forward to when Jesus comes. Us, being the same as John, being after the death, burial, and resurrection, we are looking back to the Lamb, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. So they both see what they want, one from an earthly perspective and one from a heavenly perspective. But either perspective you, you get is the lamb who does the saving. All right? Um, flip back over to, so, and I love it because, like, we, we struggle with stuff like this, but the angel, the angel gets it. 
The angel gets it. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. So Daniel 7, we're close with this, uh, 17 and 18. It says, this is his interpretation. It's so short the first time. He says, those great beasts, were, which are four, are four kings which arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and even forever and ever. All right? Daniel doesn't get it. So he's still like, man, the fourth beast is so bad. Tell me more about it. So he gets more about it. But then the angel still says, but the court shall be seated. This is verse 26 and 27. And they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, not under earth, but under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the most high. His kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So, Dustin, you can come up. But the guys, I'm sorry. You can look at man's perspective. You can look at the heavenly perspective. The ultimate answer in general is that Christ wins. He has an unfair advantage because he's God. (laughs) So, All right, that's all I have for today. Read Daniel, get into it, enjoy it, come back more prepared to to soak up revelations. If you're new, um, I'd love to meet you, and please come back. So, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for just giving us your word and the ability to read your word, Lord, in a place where we can, and we can come together, Lord. I just pray that you would cover us, prepare us, um, prepare our hearts for the week ahead, and Lord, I pray the journey mercies as we leave. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.